You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. Ben Notes is our weekly jazz program going to air each Sunday night. Described by Tony Bennett as a fabulous performer with a knockout voice, Nina Ferro is one of Melbourne's amazing entertainers with a range of styles including pop, blues, soul, jazz, bluegrass and country. With an Italian heritage, including a mezzo-soprano grandmother who took great interest in the young Nina's musical abilities, perhaps there was never any doubt that Nina would end up in the music business. To tell us a little more about what happened after that, it's my pleasure to welcome to Bent Notes, Nina Ferro. Hello, David, and hello, listeners. Let's start with your grandmother. What was it that she saw in a young Nina? Well, because she was around a lot more when I was growing up, she was the first one to hear a lot of the things that I was doing. Mum was at work and so my grandmother kind of raised me and uh, she she heard that I had a voice in me and unfortunately she passed away when I was still quite young, about 12 or 13, but by then I was I was singing. I mean, I was singing from a very young age. So she's the one that sort of said to my mother, do you realise your daughter has a voice in there? And, and it was like, oh, okay. So I was in musicals at school. I played I played the lead in the junior school production of The Pied Piper of Hamlet. Oh, did you so really? So I played The Pied Piper when I was 12. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's on video somewhere. I do have to find that. That would be a good <laughs> laugh. So it, just, it started very, very early on. And then unfortunately my grandmother passed away. But my mum, my parents are both very musically minded. Um, my mum sings. She's got a beautiful voice. And my dad is, uh, he paints. So uh, that neither of them did this for a living, mind you, but they, are, they love music. And so my education was what came through the record player predominantly. Music on at home all yeah, the time? Yeah, all the time. And my parents were big into the 50s kind of scene. And so 50s rock and roll and 60s Motown. And I was basically bottle fed on Elvis Presley. Elvis, <laughs> um, Aretha, that kind of thing. Aretha was my first real like light bulb flash moment where I just went running for the record player and stuck my head in the speaker and just thought to myself, who, what the, huh? Who is this? How does, what's that sound? It was just an incredible revelation when I heard her sing. How old were you when you Oh, I was young. I was about eight or nine. Yeah, probably about eight or nine. I remember Spanish Harlem. Oh. Mum put that on and I, I just, mum said it was hilarious. <laughs> oh, really? flying for the stereo and, and it's been, I, I feel like that ever, ever, ever since. Every time I hear her and especially that song, I just, I can't explain it. The, so you uh, know it, it really grabbed, and obviously grabbed your attention if you're going to put your he- head in the speaker. Yeah, it did. <laughs> you don't know what it was about the song, the no, voice? No, but then, you know, it's really, sometimes it's hard to describe how music affects you you can sort of go well it makes me feel this or I you know it's it's such a thing that's tricky to quantify and so I still can't explain that feeling I I really can't yeah so I won't (laughs) (laughs) so when did you realize that that this music thing Mm. of sticking heads in speakers was, was going to become your life from quite early on yeah it was pretty self-evident. But by the time I was 13 or 14, particularly 14, I was already doing gigs. I was uh, singing at my friend's weddings and, you know, that kind of thing. And then by the time I was 15, I was doing some backing vocals for a family friend who was a cabaret artist around town. And then by 16, 17, I was fronting jazz bands. So it just it was just happening. I was doing a lot of singing at school. I had a I had a mezzo soprano voice, so I was trained classically at the beginning, and my voice was very mature for my age. So my wonderful teacher, Miss Catherine Sadler, um, she 
she saw that in me too. So she took me under her wing and I was involved, you know, at the age of sort of 13, well, 14, I was involved in the senior school um, elite vocal ensembles, which are only allowed for, for 17, 18-year-olds, but I was in that. And so she, she was amazing. She really helped me to find that path. And I played a bit of piano and I was playing a lot of instruments back then, and, but I always stuck to, I stuck to the singing. That was my thing. The mature voice you mentioned, yeah. was that because you had just been so active as a young child? Possibly. I really don't – I don't know, but I, I believe so. I believe that it was a combination of how much music was in my – it was in the house and that I was given the opportunity to do it. You know, I just – my parents loved music and my my brother can sing as well, not that he's a, a singer professionally. He plays drums here and there and, and he's an amazing artist as well. He draws – he got the whole bag, my brother. He was quite amazing. And we used to sing in three-part harmonies at home. But no one – like even, the thing is mum would sing and then Matthew would grab on and then I'd have to be really careful about it. But I'd jump on a third harmony because if they figured out what I was doing, they'd stop. Oh, really? Yeah, because all of a sudden they got really self-conscious. But it was beautiful and I just thought, well, this is an amazing thing that's happening. They're not quite aware of it, but I certainly am. <laughs> and I loved it. It was great. What an amazing – Housework on Saturdays was never more fun. Now that, when we were singing in three parts. Thought, singing in three parts by washing the dishes and yeah. cleaning the floors. And, yeah, yeah. What an amazing Two-story house, but you'd hear us from, you know, because my mum's got a very loud voice. God <laughs> love her. She has. Uh, so I think that projection may have, may have come down to me too. But that's what we used to do. On a Saturday. It was great. (laughs) My guest on Bent Notes tonight as well, one of Melbourne's amazing entertainers, Nina Farrow. You're listening to Bent Notes on Joy 94.9. Thank you for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Find more Joycasts and show blogs, go to joy.org.au. Is a Tramp, a concert recorded on February the 13th, 1960 in the Deutschland Hall in Berlin. That was Ella Fitzgerald from the Complete Ella in Berlin album, accompanied by the Paul Smith Quartet. Now, the reason I, uh, I played Ella Fitzgerald tonight is because my guest is Nina Farrow, and one of her inspirational singers is Ella Fitzgerald. When do you remember Ella Fitzgerald first, Nina? Oh, I was probably – I know that my mum played a bit of Ella Fitzgerald, but actually it was more about the time I was about 16 or 17 and I was given a, a, a cassette tape by a, a beautiful musician called David Hetherington, Matt Hetherington's father. And on this tape was Ella Fitzgerald, Bessie Smith, Mahalia Jackson, Sister Rosetta Tharp, Billie Holiday, Sarah Vaughan, you name it, they were on it. And uh, it, it was a fantastic compilation. And the voice that I that I think I connected with the most was Ella's. I think it sounded the closest to mine. And so, you know, I learned a lot of her songs and, and a lot of people said to me, you've got a very Ella-like quality. And I think over the years, a few other influences have come in, like Nancy Wilson, for example, that kind of thing. But Ella's just Ella's just great. You know, she she swings like nothing else. Her phrasing's amazing. Her pitch is amazing. She's very rhythmic. Uh, she's very accessible. As far as jazz singers go, I think she's probably the most accessible as a singer and for jazz as a, as a genre so that it's more um, – I think people can connect to her 
a bit easier than say Billie Holiday, who is incredible, but the, sometimes the sound can can you know deter people from wanting to listen. Ella certainly has a warmth in her voice that encourages to, you to keep listening. Yeah, absolutely. And- it's very playful and fun as well, and I, I love that about her. And then she can be incredibly moving like that just the 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 emotion that she'll put into a song and the way she will express that that communication for me is is uh is probably why I connected to her the most from what I've seen and heard of, of, of Ella she also has a great entertainment capacity over and above the musical it's yeah. not just walk on stage sing a song sing another song sing another song no. it's sing a song and then talk to the audience it Envelops the orchestra, yeah. the audience in the in the show itself. Yeah, yeah. Is that an important part of your way of operating? Oh, definitely. It's it's generous. It's about generosity. Like I, people are generous enough to come and sit down and listen, and and they're giving you their energy. It's a really, uh, really, it's a gift. And I think as a as an entertainer, as a performer, we have a responsibility as well to be generous in that in that way. So I, you know. The wonderful Gil Askey always used to say that it doesn't matter if you're playing to ten people or ten thousand. You know, you're there to you're there to you're there to entertain them. You know, you're there to entertain them, and you might be having the worst day in the world, but that's not your job right then and there. Your job right then and there is to is to make them forget all the crap. Can we say crap? We're you saying may. crap. Um, <laughs> all the crap. You know, of the day, the week, the year, and entertain them. And the best way to do that is to be vulnerable with them and to communicate and and just be real tell stories uh and yeah it just it's an energy if you don't bring that energy it's really noticeable was that a skill that you had difficulty developing or was it like your music a natural extension no that was the harder part for me i'm actually quite fundamentally shy and everyone i know who's listening is laughing their heads off right now because it's probably not the same anymore, but I'm, I, I was, I was shy and a bit, uh, bit agoraphobic too. I don't, I like the stage because it, <laughs> I've got distance between me and other people. I don't like being squashed in crowds and doing all of that. So that was a little bit trickier for me. And I think as well, when you're young, you don't know yourself very well. You haven't had as much experience. So in terms of what to talk about, unless you're just a naturally gifted comedian type person, or I don't know, just very, very gregarious in in your natural way. It can be incredibly confronting. Yeah, it can. So it wasn't very natural, but I, I think I, I think I've, I think I'm at a place now where I actually really enjoy it. I love that part of it just as much now as singing to the audience. I love to be able to communicate with them. Do you find that the audience feeds off that Definitely. and then grows your performance as well? Oh, absolutely. I find that a night like that, I walk away from the gig feeling like I've got more energy than when I started. Yeah. So. It's, and it's the same with the singing part of it too. If if I don't put absolutely 100% into it, I feel like I've been dragged through the mud if I'm not actually really switched on and engaged in what's going on. Even if I'm not actually feeling fabulous, I still have to engage because it's too hard otherwise. It's too hard. So the, the audience are a great source of inspiration and energy it, it's definitely mutual. You can't separate the two things. Not Well, I don't believe you can separate the two things. Once you got your taste for jazz, yeah. you went out onto the scene and started performing. What was the most difficult part about getting out there? I think I read a little anecdote about one of the first jobs oh, you did where some yeah. music was torn up. And yeah, <laughs> that was not nice. That's not a confidence booster. No, no, I had an unfortunate situation where a uh, particular instrumentalist 
didn't like the fact that there were one too many chords per bar in a particular section and he ripped it up and threw it at me. Was it an arrangement that you'd done? No, it was just a a very simple chord chart, but... uh, he was obviously having a very bad day and took it out on me. So, and and it's at that mo- at those moments where it's character building because you go, okay, how do I handle this in this split second? And I just, I kind of laughed it off. I was very hurt and shaken because I'd never had that happen to me before. Was this mid show? This was mid mid song. Oh, mid song. Oh, <laughs> We'd right. We started the song and we got to this, and then I don't, I can't remember the whole thing, but I just remember this chart ripped up in pieces coming flying at me, and then. I waited to the end of the set or however many songs I was doing and then I went to the ladies' room and I just had a bit of a cry, got myself together and came back out and I just thought, mm, that's never happening to me again. <laughs> I don't know, I just that's never, ever happening to me again. And so I made sure that everything that I did, you know, my charts, the way I presented it, my communication with with the other band members, all of that kind of thing was was right for me and it doesn't mean that, that I'm going to be liked because people don't like band leaders for you guys out there who are listening. Unfortunately, yeah, band leaders aren't all that well liked. I know I'm liked as a person and as a as an artist, but sometimes as a band leader you you have to put up with stuff you don't want to. How do you become a band leader who's uh, successful? Oh, I don't know. We might have to come back to that question because there's so much and I don't know how much time we've got. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty open and honest and... I think allowing allowing there to be communication and and uh, in a in a space. So if someone's got an issue, I want them to be able to come and talk to me about it because every gig is different from the last and the next. So there's no one size fits all formula. There's nothing like that. And you're dealing with different musicians a lot of the time too. I don't always generally have my band, you know, I've have to book people who are available and it's, you know, it's getting them to get sometimes you feel like you're in kindergarten. And that can be quite frustrating. But I just, it's communication. I'm just very clear about what I need and that if there's a problem, they can communicate with me. It's an open door thing. And then if unfortunately it doesn't work out, I just fire them. My guest on Bent Notes is one of Melbourne's amazing entertainers who I'll just have to be very careful she doesn't fire me. (laughs) Nina Farrow, you're listening to Bent Notes on Joy (laughs) 94.9. Thank you for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Find more Joycasts and show blogs, go to joy.org.au. You are listening to two hours of jazz, as you do each and every Sunday night on Joy 94.9. Well, well, I was going to say something, but I won't now, because Rex has interrupted me. That's right. Rex has brought in a message from Cheryl. Cheryl writes, Hi, David. Loving the new song from Nina Farrow, and what a great interview, brightening up my windy, wet Sunday morning in the UK. Mm. Oh, fantastic. From the UK. Thank you very much, Cheryl. That's (laughs) beautiful. Oh, that's Rex again. This time it's a text message from South Yarra. What a great night for jazz. I'd like to ask Nina this question. What type of preparation do jazz singers do before they get on stage? Or do you have do does she have a lucky charm or some interesting technique? you'd like to share? Well, um, we stay out really late the night before, then drink oh. a big bottle of whiskey, smoke a pack of cigarettes <laughs> and swear. No, um, that's maybe how they used to do it. Me, uh, there's only there's only one particular ritual I have apart from warming up my voice and making sure I get plenty of rest and drink a lot of water and not drink on the gig, and that's brush my teeth. I can't sing without brushing my teeth before I start singing. 
Brushing your teeth? Yeah, before I put my lipstick on and everything else, I have to brush my teeth. I cannot sing with furry teeth. Oh, wow. (laughs) So I hope that's helpful, South Yarra, but, um, you know, that's just my little quirk. I don't don't really have any lucky charms or anything, but there's just a few little – that's one of my, I guess, ritualistic things to do. Yeah. Well, thank you for, for answering That's that right. question. I would never have thought of cleaning <laughs> one's teeth. I must admit, I've cleaned my teeth before I come into the uh, the yeah, station here yeah. e- every week. But there you for go. A singer, yes, marvelous. Yes. I, I don't su- think I'm the only one there. I don't think I am. I suppose also it means the teeth are clean and shiny in terms of uh, yeah. presentation on stage yeah, as well. The last thing you want to do is get up on stage and smile and be all, and, and no one tells you there's something green stuck <laughs> there. That would be embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, it could be. <laughs> it could be indeed. Well, your latest album is certainly not an embarrassment, Into the Light. That's Thank been you. out for a year or two now. Yeah, almost three, gosh. A beautiful yeah. album, and that's uh, all original It's all original. Compositions. Yeah. But you've also featured on another album, by Kennedy Snow, which yes. is Sonia Holbert's uh, project. That's right. Called Follow. Yes. And these are also uh, mainly self-compositions by Sonia. Yes, they are. All and you've, you've got to sing on them. I did. I mean, look, I've known Sonia for a very long time and she's incredibly talented. She's, um, and I was going to say, she's incredibly talented for a drummer and that's not <laughs> what I meant. Um, she's, ta- she's an amazingly talented drummer and musician and plays piano but her compositions are beautiful she has this way of her expression is gorgeous and we've been performing and working on her stuff for a long time I think that was Sonia heard your comment about being a drummer sorry sorry Sonny sorry (laughs) she's actually she can't listen to this right now because she's watching a movie called The Girls in the Band this is part of the Melbourne Women's International Jazz Festival umbrella thing so she's like let me know how it goes I don't think I will (laughs) (laughs) yeah someone else can tell her but this was a beautiful project that I honestly myself and Kelly Santon have been kicking Sonia in the backside for a couple of years now to get this done because we love a, playing music together, and B, these songs are so beautiful. They are. And it's just such a privilege to be able to have put them down on, you know, on, well, plastic, and for you all to enjoy and listen to, and it's uh, it's, it's wonderful for Sonia. She's an incredibly, incredibly beautiful woman with a heart of gold and so generous. I, she's my fav- one of my favourite people on the planet, so there you go. We spoke to Sonia in studio. Did you? I think it was about two months ago, okay. thereabouts, and it was very interesting to hear all about the, the album. Yeah. And that was before a, a gig where Nalusha Dasinaka sang, right. sang the vocals. Yes. Sonia was telling us that she's been wanting to get this album done for some time, but you weren't here. You were over well, in London. Well, no, that's right. I've been living in London. I, I, I was there for 11 years and I've moved back uh, only, well, I suppose technically about a year ago, but officially only three or four months ago. I've, this is now officially home again, which is wonderful. It's so exciting. I love Melbourne. And so, yeah, it took a little while. And then when I said to her, look, I'm, I'm coming home and she was jumping up and down. So she quickly got her, uh, you know, got it all together, got into the studio and, and recorded the band. And then I came home and in the a few weeks after I landed, I went bang straight into the studio and we put the vocals down and then continued to uh, to produce the album and finish it off and launched it. I think it was April we launched. That sounds about yeah, right. Yeah, it, uh, it was early April. Or no, no, late April. And it's been great. We've we've had a wonderful response. I know she's had a wonderful response from it and we've been doing some beautiful gigs and I think it's really exciting to be a part of the Melbourne Inter- Women's International Jazz Festival. Exactly, which is coming yeah. up very, very shortly, very not very far away at no. all. You're participating in the festival as part of Kennedy Snow. Of course, yeah, absolutely. And I was thinking today that you sort of fit almost 
two bands here. One one is the international component, sure. the other is the local in, sure. in one person. Yeah. Well, in several. I mean, Kelly Santon lived in, in uh, England for 10 too. years as well. Kel and I crossed over. We had at least eight years together over there. And, you know, Bob Settergreen is an incredibly well-renowned and international artist and Kim May has done a lot of stuff in the past. So all of us put together, it is a very international band with a local flavour and I think that's really exciting. And it's exciting also to have a Melbourne Women's International Jazz yeah, Festival. Yeah, absolutely. There are so many incredibly talented women and not just singers. This is the no. thing. There are so, so many incredible instrumentalists, you know, from piano to drums to guitar to, you know, horns and all the rest of it. And it's wonderful. I mean, it should be celebrated all the time, you know, (laughs) but it is nice to have a a moment where we can really celebrate it in, you know, in this way. And there's a whole week of it coming up 4th to 11th of December at Bennett's Lane. It's great that Bennett's is supporting the festival, as I think they've done for a couple of years now. They've they've always been very supportive. And so it's it's going to be great to be there. And also because we're sort of coming to the end of an era in that venue as well. This will, well, this will be the last one. I think it may be my last gig there. I might have one the end of December. If I do, I'll come see you again. That would be great. We'd love to have you any time. Yeah, great. Yes. <laughs> I noticed on the, I think it's the Monday night, it's going back to school. It's all the, the female school kids coming oh, in right, yeah. to perform. And it's, it's just great that they can be part of this because it, it'll be something they'll remember for years. Oh, totally. A yeah, bit like your memories of being the Pied Piper and yeah. other things like that. <laughs> so it, it's great that it's, the festival is in, uh, including them in, in the program. Yeah. Any special preparation for this particular performance? Besides turning up and playing in the right key, that's prob- that yeah, probably yeah, and cleaning one's teeth. Yes, cleaning yep. one's teeth. Look, you know, uh, we've got we're going to be playing predominantly the the songs from Follow, and I'll, I'll we'll be doing a couple of instru- um, uh, originals of my own from Into the Light, and some really great covers. We're gonna we're gonna surprise some people with some new some new material, but uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun. And you're in the jazz lab. We are the big room, which yeah, is the a jazz nice lab. nice big room. We need to have a piece of music, I reckon, to finish with. Okay, and it's got to be from follow absolutely and i reckon it probably will be follow i think so too it's probably one of my favorite songs that sonia has composed and uh, yeah uh, it's the title track so i think that's uh, more than more than fair nina farrow thank you so much for coming into bent notes tonight really do appreciate your time and yes do come back and see us oh, well thank you david and thank you listeners here is follow from kennedy snow on joy 94.9 i will follow you where you go Show me where the house you live When can I find you again Even Joy 94.9 is a GLBTIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au